Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And tonight we have a very interesting show appropriate for Hanukkah. We'll get to it in just a moment. If you want to call the studio or you want to text in, uh, we're not going to take calls for the next 10, 15 minutes. But after that, you can call in. Studio number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858 for your questions or comments. And the text line is 347-927-8398. Again, texting 347-927-8398. And you can do that right now. Uh, as far as uh, calling the studio, that's 718-683-5858. But in a few moments, not right now. Before we get uh, into our topic for this evening, which is about Hanukkah and the oils, not just the, uh, the olive oil, but Hanukkah oils, as well as the regular oils for the regular, regular all year round, we're going to be discussing. But I'd like to just take a moment and, uh, and mention to you that uh, one of the things that we were trying to set up is to talk a little bit about the different vegetables, maybe fruits also, and how to properly inspect them. So one of the things that people think about uh, in terms of uh, you know in terms of that is uh, uh, the vegetable fennel, F-E-N-N-E-L. Fennel is uh, an, a, a wonderful uh, food that I think that most people don't use, but it's uh, it's common in certain markets. Certain people use it. Fennel is uh, it, it tastes like licorice, and it looks like uh, a, 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 a it looks like a celery with a big body, a big big a big store, uh, stump. And, uh, you know, something's coming out. So it's not very difficult to clean the fennel, and I'm going to tell you about it. That it's infested is no question. But uh, it, basically it's because we have, we have the green leafy, uh, actually maybe not leaves, whatever, they look like dill, but they're, th- th- you know, thin branches that are coming out. So number one is you have to discard the leaves. Number two is you separate the white layers, half the stalks, make them half, Having the, having the fennel sep, uh, makes it easier to separate the layers. And then number three, you rinse each layer on, each, on both sides while you're rubbing. You rinse the stalk both inside and outside while rubbing. That's the entire thing. In other words, it's an external problem. I don't think you're going to find that. He doesn't mention Rabbi Vaya in his book, which is uh, it's on page 213. He does not mention a problem of leaf miners, so it probably aren't. It's just little bits of, uh, of the insects that are stuck on the outside, are crawling around outside, and uh, they're attracted by that green leaves. So when you remove the green leaves and you have the stalks and you wash them uh, each, uh, each layer separately, you wouldn't have any problem. And he says the, um, uh, you, rinse the stalk, you rinse the stalk as a whole. And it seems to be here, uh, both inside and outside, while rubbing. So in other words, you do have to go through the layers, and you use the layers as they come. That's the way uh, he's, he's describing it. Now, the topic for tonight is the question of oils, olive oil. And we definitely have discussed it in the past. But what we're going to be talking about tonight, I think, are some of the things that we didn't necessarily handle in the past. There's a lot of difference between olive oils and uh, the other oils. And we're going to see what the concerns are with oils. The Gemara discusses it, and it's an age-old problem 
can you use oils without any ashkocha? And I just got a, one, a young boy, an eighth, eighth grade boy, who uh, saw me and he asked me, what's the story about oils, a certain kind of oil, can he use it? I said, no, they can't, you can't use it. You need to have ashkocha on oils. And today we'll see a little bit about why. I, I mean, that said, I must tell you that Shemin Zayas is a big, uh, it's a big thing right now, right? Everybody's buying olive oil for, for Hanukkah. I mean, there's still people, everybody using, many people are still using the candles, but the people who are using the oil, it's very big business today. And what happens is that the olive oil industry is ripe for misuse, and it's constantly being misused. People are cheating other people in the business. It's like they, they're presenting it as one thing and charging the high price. They're presenting it as extra virgin olive oil, and they really, it's an imitation. It's really a regular olive oil that's been doctored up a little bit. And, that, and the difference in price is phenomenal. So that it's a very, very tempting thing for people who aren't honest. And we see constantly that there are problems with the system. So that's that's the you know the background to the to the basic olive oil thing in Israel. It's the the Rabbanut puts out a list of mislabeled uh, olive oils, and they have like about sixty different companies that are fake. They have ashkachas that are not real, and they they put this the symbol on by that. It, it's but the, the fifty or sixty is is probably over a couple of years, but they're still out there. And they, and they put out right now another one of these lists, huge list with pictures of all these olive oils that are misrepresented. What's interesting is some of them are coming from Arabs. And that's, that's the real problem because with the Arab, you, you're going to get a whole new set of shilas. In other words, uh, we, we have in, Ar- in Eretz Israel, the product of Israel, and, they, and obviously Israel is one of the places that makes olive oil. There are many, many countries that make olive oil. Israel is one of the, one of the best. And in Israel, they, they, uh, they have the problem of trumas and mysus and, and, and orla. It's just, it, and then, of course, if you're, if you're doing shemitah, you know, with the hetta mechira, so you're dealing with a whole set of, of, of halachas of mitzvahs tulius ba'aretz that that comes in, plus the fact that the Arabs are doing it, and they may be mixing in something or using equipment that's for non-kosher. So we really do have serious issues with the olive oil in Israel. And what do you think you're getting the olive oil in America? A lot of it's coming from Israel. So hopefully those people who are repackaging the olive oil and selling it to you and with their name of the yeshiva on it or whatever, hopefully they're getting it from a good source. But if you're burning it, uh, for for for, uh, for the um, for, for Hanukkah, it's just it's that's one level of Oshaila, but the, the bigger problem is if you're using it for use for, for eating it, it creates a whole new set of shilas because there, there are coolest built into the olive oil that you're using for the for the menorah. Now, that being said, what is going on with the olive oil industry? So I'm going to read to you some information that, would, that you can pick up yourself on the internet. The, the first article is from the Star K by Rabbi Rosen, Rabbi Tzvi Rosen, and the other one is from Rabbi Shalom Bear Hendel, 
who was with the OK Labs, and you could pick these up on their websites, the Star K and the, uh, and the OK Labs. So it was very interesting, the article that Rabbi Rosen wrote, and it's not a new article, it was just redone, but he's written it before. Uh, the topic is very interesting. I mean, obviously we know that Shemin Zayas is important in the, because of the Mizbeach, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry not Mizbeach, uh, because of the menorah in the base of Migdash, that we're using olive oil, and uh, we understand that, Today, olive oil is coming from so many different countries. Crete, Greece, Italy, Morocco, Spain, Turkey, Tunisia, and Australia, as well as Chile, California, Argentina, and, uh, of course, from Israel. So that's where it's coming from. And it's important today, many people are health conscious, they're looking for the olive oil, and it has uh, benefits for health. So there's a big attraction to olive oil. And the difference between the extra virgin and the plain olive oil is very serious. But we're going to learn about now why, what, what is really going on. So vegetable oil is one of those liquid substances that is extracted from a vegetable. It's almost entirely made up of the fat of the vegetable. It could be a liquid, like, for example, the corn oil and this cottonseed oil and the soybean oil and the olive oil. They're all liquid. But it also could be cocoa butter, coconut or palm oil, they're all solid at room temperature. So when they're transported, they often heat it up and make it uh, a, a very high, make it a temperature that will keep it liquid because you can't ship it so easily otherwise. So they, they may, they may uh, uh, add heat there to keep it going. The sun vegetable oils are extracted from the seed of the vegetable, like in corn, soybeans, peanuts, hazelnuts, and flat sunflowers. And some of them come from the fruit of the vegetable, like olives and palm. Now, now how do you get the olive oil out of the olive? Well, the old days, you used to have a big press, and you, and you pressed. You can still that too, do that, too. Even today, we're doing some kind of pressing. Presser, I will explain to you how it works. There's a chemical extraction where they're using chemicals. They use heat and use solvents. And there's a cold processing, which only really goes on olive oil. Other of the uh, oils are not made by a cold press. And the cold press, we don't use chemicals or heat. And it's the old style. You just uh, use a, um, you, you, you just, you're just uh, pressing it. With, with they use me- mechanical crushers and centrifuges. These machines push out the oil. And that's it. The extra virgin olive oil is actually nothing but squeezed out oil from the olive. Okay. And believe it or not, there's an extra, extra virgin olive oil. That's right. I didn't make a mistake. An extra, extra virgin olive oil. But that extra oil, that has to have very little acidity. If if it's up to um, 0.8% acidity then the oil is called extra virgin. So it has less than, not only less than 1% acidity, it has less than than 0.8% acidity. So very, very, very tiny acidity. Then we call it extra, extra virgin. I've never seen it, but I'm sure it's being sold somewhere and obviously has some uh, importance to some people. From from 0.8 to 2% acidity is called virgin olive oil. So now we see what's happening here. There's extra, extra, which is very, very little. Then you have extra virgin olive oil, which is what many people buy. And then there's virgin olive oil. 
which is the acidity is up a little higher. So far, we didn't do anything to it. We just squeezed out the olive oil. But if the acidity is higher than that, so then the oil is not going to be used anymore. It's too acidic. So the only thing you can do is refine it. Ah, now we have a whole different ballgame. So we're not going to call it virgin olive oil. We're not going to call it extra virgin olive oil or extra, extra. We're going to have to call it something else. So what are these things? Now, and how do we get it to where you could use it? We use a different, some different procedures. One procedure is what they call neutralization and separation and bleaching and deodorizing. It's a lot of things that are done to our olive oils. Listen to what it is. Neutralization, separation. You neutralize the acidity because you want it, don't want so acid, right? So you want to reduce the acidity of the crude oil. That's the first one's called a crude oil. And so they, they, they do things uh, to create a change there. And they, now, after they've neutralized it, they've taken away the acidity, they've got to bleach it because it's now dark, color in there. So they take, believe it or not, a certain earth. I can't pronounce it. Diomaceous earth. And they use that to bleach it. And that absorbs the dark color. And then you take out the, uh, the those particles and they have a clear liquid now. So that's the bleaching. And then there's a deodorization. I don't think you're going to like this one here. The oil is heated to a very high temperature in 12 meter tall deodorizer. 12 meters, you understand what that is? That's 36 feet, uh, more than that. What's How much is a meter? About three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, so it is. It's more than 36, 40 feet or so high. That's how big this deodorizer is. It's a giant. And the problem is that if they use it for non-kosher, the kosher agencies refuse to kosher deodorizers. It's just too big. And in the old days, they used to use it for tallow and for, for, for beef lard or fat, lard or, or beef fat. They used to use the same deodorizer. Today, it's not as common because we don't make so many of those things in the same plants. So it's not going to be uh, as big a shayla. There is a shayla involved. You need ashkacha, but the, 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 the deodorizer is going to be used for those things is not so common. In any event, nobody wants to uh, have to kosher such a big piece of equipment and i'll explain to you why they don't want to kosher it it's it's just huge and they've been using the same thing uh, you know uh, in, in all the areas and each one has like in inside there inside there they have caked on grease and and uh, it, it, it's just very very hard you have to go into every little part of it it's just too much work it just uh, they won't want to do it so today, what they will do in the cautious industry is if you're going to go to have something refined and deodorized, and which, which, which most of our, our regular olive oils are all like that, they're going to use plants that are only used for kosher production and was only used for uh, a, a vegetable production, no animal there whatsoever. That's the only way they can handle it. Now listen to the next thing. What about the other kinds of olive oils that you see in the store? We dealt with the extra virgin and uh, extra, extra, and then extra, and then virgin oil. We went down the list. Now we're up to plain old olive oil. But still plain old olive oil has at least three different types. Number one, pure olive oil. That's not virgin olive oil. This has been processed. It's pure olive oil. And then there's extra light. And then there's refined pomace 
olive oil. What are these? The pure olive oil is a combination of extra virgin and refined olive oil. They mix it until they get the right balance. Extra light is also a combination of the two oils, where the percentage of extra virgin olive oil is very low. So in other words, you have very little extra virgin mixed in together with regular uh, processed oil. So you'd really have the same thing, but it's different different percentages. And that's why the price is going down seriously. Pomace olive oil is the oil that's obtained by a solvent, a chemical extraction from the solid part, the residue of pulp, skin, pits, etc. It's not the olive oil. It's not the oil. It's squeezed. It's you, you extract from the residue. You use the pulp and the pits and the skin, and that's what pomace olive oil is. It's really the pits. And, uh, and so therefore, it's, it's like a real, real low quality olive oil. Usually, pomace olive oil is used in manufacturing applications like the olive oil you find in sardines. So that's the, uh, the canned sardines that would have the pomace olive oil. I mean, you could buy pomace olive oil, but you should realize it's a very low-grade product. It came out after the production of the, of the real olive oil. Now, the next problem we have is the transporting. I'm not going to go into it in length, but this ties into the same thing that all our oils tie into. Not just this is not unique now to uh, to, to the olive oil business. You know, the the problem is that this there's basically two or three areas that uh, that, that we're worried about. Number one, this transport in trailer in in in, in large. Uh, in, in large uh, wheeled, you know, uh, trailers, they they these tractor trailers they have inside sometimes uh, oil. And then there's another thing you have where they take it in a ship from one place to another. So these are the kinds of things. And then there's a question about the packaging that you put it into. So these are the three areas you have to be worried about. Now, when they send it on the ships. This is a whole thing. I'm not going to get into it. This is where Rav Shmuel Birnbaum's outside, Rosh Hashiva, me, Yeshiva got involved. He got involved in the in, in the importing of the uh, olive, uh, uh, importing of the palm corner, kernel, the palm kernel oil from uh, the foreign countries, and he, he he was trying to affect the change, and he didn't live uh, to be able to do it. After his passing, they were trying to make the changes. He actually, I did a story, I mean, actually five stories. Uh, in, the, in this issue of the Cautious Magazine, we have five stories about Rabbi Shmuel Birnbaum. They're special stories you wouldn't find anyplace else. We printed them in the 2008 when he was Nifter, and we reprinted it now as part of our book that we put out with the stories that we have in the magazine. So one of the stories is about how he got involved in Kashrus. And he was very, very heavily involved, and this is one of the areas that he was very heavily involved in in the last few years of his life. He gave a lot, it was a lot of mysterious nefesh. He brought down the leaders of Kashrus, and they made them come to meet him in Mir Yeshiva. And he had discussions with them about how they're running Kashrus. It was really a very intriguing thing how a man of Torah, 
took the time to say Kashrus needs to be addressed now. It was after the scandal in Muncie, and he was very, very concerned about what implications it had for us as Jews. Very interesting story, and one of the pieces that we have in the magazine. Anyway, Bekitzer, so transporting in the ships has been a problem since, even before that, it's been a serious problem. The cashless agencies address it. Whether they're doing a perfect job or not, I have no idea, but they definitely address it. According to one Paisik, one of the biggest Paiskim of our generation, he said, as a result of the whole study of this whole topic, he said, they're doing right, but not doing right is their problem. On our level, we can go buy our, our things in the store. But whether they're doing right or not doing right is their nisayun. Is and uh, but as far as based upon the sveikas involved, we could buy our foods in the store without being nervous. But they kosher sages have responsibility, so they will go down and they will check the bills. They will check what was done, the manifest. They will check what was done in this ship, and they have basically three requirements in order to have a proper shipping. That one thing that they're going to require is that. Uh, they they only use uh, that they only that they only used in the last three trips they only had kosher on this boat or this uh, or, or this piece of equipment or it was kosherized. Uh, for example, the the the, the uh, tractor trailers can be kosherized. There are certain stops across the country where you can kosherize your vehicle and uh, will be acceptable to the kosher agencies. And you have to have proof that they were kosherized before you took this on the. You took you took this oil from one place to another, because some companies own their own tankers and others don't have. They have to have to rent them from common carriers. So the common carriers either are kosher certified or they have this kosherization. That's what they they do, and we want to make sure that in the ships that the they only used kosher in the last three runs here on, on this ship and we want to make sure there's nothing on this ship when it, when it comes in they try to check that when it comes in and all this is done by mashkicham checking the uh, what the company lists on the manifest okay now we go on so uh, basically we have concerns about the our oils the olive oil industry is especially ripe for for misuse there's an organization now called the North American Olive Oil Association. They just want us to buy olive oil. But they see it's getting out of hand, and so they decide to give hashkocha. The N-A-O-O-A. They're giving, N-A-O-O-A is giving hashkocha. That's what they, they don't call it hashkocha. They call it, uh, they, 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 they call it a, uh, uh, you know, a program of certification or whatever. And, they, and what they're doing is they're trying to get sampling to make sure that the olive oil is what they claim it is. So if it's, they say claim it's an extra virgin, they'll check it out to see if it's really extra virgin. And they could do that with testing. Of course, they have to have the cooperation of the companies, and, and they have to send them uh, samples, and they have to be honestly their samples. So it's not the same as hashkocha, but they're trying to make some kind of control. But these are just a few of the ideas of what's going on. And the last thing I want to mention here also is about the, about the, about the um, equipment that it's being placed in. 
You know, in the old days, they had wooden casks and clay jugs and leather flasks. But today, you have 55-gallon drums, you have 5-gallon tins, and you have plastic bottles. So the new the drums, you, get, you just tell them to get new drums and packaging, and you're safe. But what about the reusable plastic flexed tankers? They're going to be reusable. So... And what about the common carriers and the ocean vessels that we talked about? So there are issues today in the oil industry. There are some countries with a real remakel on it. In England and in Australia, they're pretty makel on certain olive oils, certain oils that they use without any ashkocha. But in this country, none of the kashrus agencies will allow any of the oils, no oils at oil without ashkocha. That gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the things, just mention one or two alochas, and then we'll go on to your questions. And you can reach us at the studio, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Your questions, your comments, your issues. Again, 718-683-5858, or text us at 347-927-8398. And before we hear from our first caller, I'm going to just say a word about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. You should think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a few or a, few, a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all the special items that you purchase in the store. And some of the items are on sale right now, today and tomorrow. A and B regular gefilte fish, $5.39. Zucchini, 49 cents a pound. Butternut squash, 59 cents a pound. Beigel's uh, fa- family pack cupcakes, $5.99. Family pack ground veal, $6.49. Veal spare ribs, $8.99. Family pack minute steak, $11.99. And top of the rib, $8.99. Those are some of the items on sale right now. In a Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashras of Flatbush, with base yod safe meats and with expert Nikor. At Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air over J Root Radio. Let me just share with you one little piece of information that I got the other day and from the Star K, which I think is very interesting. The Star K on their tuna fish, uh, and this is important because he mentioned something which was not really correct in the previous uh, session. The tuna fish from the Star K is two types, Star K and Star S. And the head of the K, Star S. Star S is for Svardim. And that means that they... The tuna fish is Bishel Yisrael for Svardim. They have a mashkir tamidi, and they put the they put the uh, the the fish onto the fire the way the Svardim require it, and they also check every single fish. The regular star K tuna fish, they check every fish. They have a mashkir tamidi, but they be do Bishel Yisrael for Ashkenazim. So if you want to know, yes, there are two standards at the star K. Okay, first caller, go ahead. You're on Kashas on the air. Can I help you? Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, there's a new type of luxon of pasta out uh, made from uh, chickpeas, and I wanted to know what brussel would you make on such a pasta made from chickpeas? Charcoal. Charcoal? Okay, thank you. Certainly welcome. Thank you. Go ahead. You're on, you're on Kasha's on the air. Can we help you? 
Yes, um, I'd like to know the halacha with strawberries. Um, they say that um, if you buy fresh strawberries and you cut the head off and then you put it into water and soap and you wash it, just, you know, you rinse it and you rinse it with water, is that okay? Well, I don't know who they say is because we don't say what they say. I, 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 we got those that book, a kashra's book, once, and this is what they told us. This is what it said in well, the book. I, well, I don't know what the Kasha's book is. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me go back a step here. Okay. We're talking now about 2016. All okay. Right. A lot of water under the bridge and a lot of insects that were found and a lot of imperfection in our systems. And what is being recommended today by Rabbi Moshe Vaya and by the uh, more right-wing cautious organizations is that they will not use strawberries at all unless it's g- a greenhouse grown or they will not use them uh, w- without shaving off the outside completely. So it doesn't work for small strawberries. It only works for big strawberries. Right. It's a big, big time-consuming and difficult thing to do. Some people may have mastered uh-huh. it, but I, I, I don't see it so easy to use, even if you're the biggest ones. Um, uh-huh. And uh, that's that's what we what we are uh, what we have heard uh-huh. from the kashrus experts that we consult with. What what some people do is that they'll take. Uh, I mean, there obviously are companies that make frozen strawberries. I don't have I don't subscribe to any of them because I don't have a, a clear feeling that I that I know enough about that they're being free of of insects. If right. you're mockpit on if you accept those, then fine. If you do, if you have a question mark, so they, what we do is that we take their hashkocha, their frozen strawberries, right. and we put it in a blender, and we we then make a, a, like a dessert, like a, a frozen uh-huh. strawberry. Uh-huh. Uh, what about blueberry? The same thing with blueberries. Bl- blueberries again. Today's world, there are insects on the outside, and there are insects inside that are that are serious problems. Again, uh-huh. if there was a hashkocha that you don't want to accept completely, but you want to uh, accept them to do what I just told you to do with the strawberries, right. you could do that too. Because uh-huh. we're not because we don't know there's anything in there that's wrong. We're just right. uh, we're just being machmir. So that's that's what some people do. Other people say, listen, there's a good hashkocha. I rely on them for everything else. I'm going to rely on them for this. Call a kavod. I'm not telling you what to do. Right. I right. mean, just. No, we're, we're talking about. I'm not talking about frozen. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about fresh. So fresh, really, there's no way. Only we don't like feel that there is a way for you to do it fresh. Yes, that's right. correct. Does it mean to say that nobody in the industry could produce a fresh one? No. They might occasionally they might sell fresh strawberries that were greenhouse grown. There might be some people who have expert ability to, to 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 clean them and they and they put a lot of time and effort in and they feel that they stand behind it i understand i saw from one of the best hashkachas in uh-huh. brooklyn i saw from one of the best hashkachas in brooklyn regular strawberries i haven't had a chance yet to speak to the gentleman who who gives the hashkacha but he's mm-hmm. a hashkacha that everybody uses and okay. obviously obviously maybe he does know a couple of tricks that we we don't all know but you and i can't copy him because right. if he has a couple of tricks of where he bought it from in the season and right. the sampling that he did and the, and, and the time and effort that his mashkin put into it, you and I can't approximate it in our own life. So, right. you know, with, with, you can't, it's, it's like apples and pears because the strawberries that you're going to handle, you're not trained to do what he did.
Right. I hear what you're saying. So, okay, so thank that's, you very that's much. That's what we're that's where our thinking is today. Okay? Uh-huh. Thank you for okay, the call. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're on Kashas on the Year. Can we help you? Yeah, hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. What, what can we yeah. do for you? Thank you so, so much. A really amazing class. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about scallions. What, how do you clean scallions? Okay, we're really not going to go through all of them, but you should really buy this book. I will, I will do it. I will do it. But I want to tell you, you should buy this book. It's $25. Bidikas Hamazon. It's all in English from Rabbi Moshe Vaya. And he shows in there what is going on in Israel, what's going on in Europe, and what's going on in the United States. And he even has pictures of all of our bugs in there, too, because he, he, does, he does work on our things as well. Now, you're asking <laughs> about scallions. So scallions are... are a, a serious problem, and uh-huh. uh, you can, you know, if you have a different approach, you heard from somebody that you were going to rely on, I'm not telling you not to. But I'm going to read it to you, just that I can't go through every one of these. Scallions are generally infested with tiny black or yellow insects. They're called thrips. They're found between the layers of the scallion. I've seen it myself where they can run away, and they can just keep, you know, you'll see them running. So he says, also... Inside the hollow, hollow tubular green leaves, you're going to find them. So they're between the layers of the scallion, the white stuff on the bottom, and and also you're going to find it between the uh, you're going to find it on the hollow tubular green leaves. There's leaf miner maggots that are also found in there, and I have a picture right in front of my eyes on page 303 in his book, showing you exactly what a leaf miner is, what it looks like, what its trail looks like. You'd never, ever make a mistake again. If you saw that one picture, you're, you're made for life. You'll know just what a leaf miner is, and you'll see how it appears in a scallion. It's a perfect, perfect di- uh, picture. Anyway, what you do is like this. Um, it's highly recommended to use only specially grown, bug-free scallions. Now, there are some ashkachas that put it out that way. I'm not going to mention names of, con- of companies. For places where bug-free scallions are not available, which is most of us, we suggest methods of cleaning and checking that make it possible to use the scallions. But there are seven things you got to do. Number one, cut off and discard the root together with about half a centimeter, a quarter of inch of the scallion itself. Uh Okay. Slit the white part of the scallion in half lengthwise. Separate it into individual layers. Slit open the green tubular leaves. Soak all the pieces in soapy water for two to three minutes. Rinse each layer well under running water while rubbing with your finger. Check the green leaves for tunneling, which we were talked about before about the leaf miners. So those seven things, and you're good to go. So it takes a few minutes. Any one of the things that he suggests doing Takes a, you know, it takes maybe five, ten minutes, but you can do anything you want. We do a lot of it at one time. Anyway, that's right. his recommendation. It's on page 303. You buy the book, and you'll be able to do it yourself. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, you're on Kasha on the air. Can we help you? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Hi. Um, my mother grew up in England, and, like, she always opens cherries. And, like, my friends know never heard of it. I wonder if they have to, or, like... Well, this is the, one of the things that I mentioned in the past is that when people came over from Europe, I mean, you're talking about recently or whatever, but the people come over from Europe. I mean, I you know when I was younger, so they were they were very careful about 
uh, checking uh, an apple. They used to cut an apple open. They definitely are insects inside. It's a maggot that goes inside. But the question is, is it a problem in the United States? So Rabbi Vaya's book says it's not a problem for the United States of America. So that's it. Now, your mother saw it, and she comes from Europe. So listen to this, what I'm telling you now. In Israel, it's a problem. In Europe, Great Britain, actually, is what he has there. Great Britain, it is a problem. In the United States, it's not a problem. That's what he wrote in the book. So I could tell you how they could check it if you're getting European ones, you know, but it, 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 it's considered to be not an issue for our American cherries. Okay? Uh, okay, and also I want to know about beer. Like, it has to have a hasher or like... Well, I didn't hear that uh, word. What? If what needs a hasher? No, a beer, it has to have a hasher, like, or any, uh, sorry, like, uh, one I didn't hear what you said. What has to have a hasher? Beer. Oh, beer. Oh, that's one of my favorite topics. But people don't like me when I talk about it. Uh, the cautious agencies told me to keep quiet about it. It seems to be that in beer, there are non-kosher ingredients for sure. Not maybe, for sure. But they consider it to be acceptable to use beer because they say it's bottled, it's nullified. Now, that's the, that's the fact. Every beer, no. But a lot of the beers are clarified by using a non-kosher gelatin, uh, they they use a uh, they use they use a uh, a swim bladder of a fish, and they use uh, different things to separate the to clarify the uh, the beer, and that thing which we whatever they're using, they take out, and always a little bit is left, but they claim it's minuscule, okay, but there was ether inside. It was removed, but not completely. Is this 100% lechatchila? So the cautious agencies asked me not to, pu- to publicize it, and I don't write in the magazine that we shouldn't use beers. But there definitely are some beers that have problems. There was an but article. Which is, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me just let me finish. There was an article back many many years ago in a publication called Zymergy. Zymergy means beer making. Z Y M U M U R G Y, Zymergy, and the, the, there's a magazine, and it told you how to make beers, and they mentioned a whole bunch of things that are not kosher that are in beers, and we investigated, we asked the beer companies, oh, we don't use it, but maybe in Europe they use it. In Europe, they have very tight controls, especially Germany, very tight controls on what goes in the beer. And they say, we don't use it in America. So now let me ask you, why is Zymergy writing this article about what's being done in the beer making? And all the beer makers are, tie, are, are saying we're not using it. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a website that is for people who are vegetarians. It's called Binafore. Binavore, I'm sorry. B-I-N-O, uh, Binavore, B-I-N-A-R, B-A-V-A-R-E, I believe it's spelled. Binavore. So Binavore has a, uh, a website where they list the beers that are acceptable to vegetarians and the ones that are not acceptable to vegetarians. 
Why? Because something from fish, something from gelatin, something from dairy, they know what's in the beers. The companies tell everybody, we have nothing in here. So we have a lot of stories like this about uh, I, I, somebody who used to work in the beer business, and, they, they told, and his people who friend in the, in the business told him, don't drink this beer, don't drink that beer, don't drink this beer, knowing that he keeps kosher. So yes, there were issues, but the kosher agencies feel that halachically they're okay. That's plain beer without flavoring. But today, a lot of beers are getting flavoring. Also, they decided, the cautious agencies, it doesn't mean all beers, it's only from big breweries. But the small breweries called microbreweries, those that make, that make small quantities with a lot of different names, you, know, you don't find it, you know, it's not a national thing, it's a regional thing. Those smaller breweries, they say, are problems because they're, they're doing treif and kosher on the same equipment. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Um, I want to ask you one more question. Go Grapes, ahead. Are, like, have lungs or no? I didn't hear what you said. What? Grapes. Grapes? Have, yeah. What do you want to know? They have lungs in it or they're fine? No, grapes do have uh, insects on them, not in them. Oh. When they are on the, on the vine and they become raisins, they get insects. So raisins have an a insect problem inside. G- grapes have a problem outside. There's a washing process, I've said here about 20 times. It's, I'll say it quickly. It's just a, take a second. You have to do what I'm saying now three times. You put it into water with soap, stir it a little bit, keep it in the water there for th- three or four minutes. Then wash it under the, uh, the faucet. And then do that three times. In other words, three times in the water with the soap, and three times washing in the faucet, and you're good to go. The only other thing I forgot to mention is that when you start the process, break it into small clusters. Don't have one big, big, big cluster of grapes. Break them into some like five, six, say eight smaller clusters. It'll take you 15 minutes to do it, but you can make several pounds, and, and you'll be good for a few days with it. Okay. Okay, thank, thank you, you very so much. much for the call. Thank you for calling. You're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Hello. Go ahead. I am calling. I'm calling about the strawberries. Go ahead. Okay. I cut off the whole top, and I bought a machine for $110 that washes and swims, brushes the fruits and vegetables. Three minutes, three minutes, three minutes. And when it's finished, it's squeaky clean, and the whole top is off. Anyway. What I suggest you do, I don't know who you are, but if you contact me at 718-336-8544, I'm going to do you a favor and maybe everybody, okay? You contact me, I'll give you the number of somebody, and you hook up with him to, sh- to let him see if, if he feels that what you are doing works, and if so, you're going to become famous, and, you, you, and we're going to all buy that machine, and we're all going to do it as soon as we convince that it's, it works. So you contact me, 718-336-8544. I'll give you that person who will check for you, and he'll do it because I said so. And then you if it works out... You can come over to my house and check it yourself. What? 
You come over because you don't know how to do. You don't know how to check. I'm sorry. No matter what you do, you're not going to know how to check. Don't don't rely on yourself for the checking. You could do the washing, but let's let's see if what you're coming up with really works well. Okay. Three three six eight five four four seven one eight. That's it. Thank you very much. What's his name? That what was it? That's me. You, oh, leave, okay. you leave your message there, and I'll get back to you and give you his name, okay? Uh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, you're unconscious on the air. We can take any more callers also if you want to call. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Okay, next caller. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. I thank you for the great show. That's one. Also, I saw a big and chopped right of shelled walnuts without any hashtarka. Is that something that needs hashkafa, or if it's raw shelled walnuts, it's okay? Shelled walnuts means there's no there's no additives. You don't have even a preservative. Again, does it have a preservative? It's from California. No, but does it have a preservative? It probably has a preservative. It if it says say uh, if it says it probably says a preservative. So if it, a preservative. Uh, if you usually a sulfur dioxide or something like that, it's innocuous. There is nothing that they're going to do on a walnut except shelling it. So I, you have no concern in, if you're if you're satisfied what they have as a preservative. But they could apply oils. If it really looks like a regular, you know, shelled walnut, nothing else there, then the only thing they may have is a preservative. Read the preservative and see if it says, um, you know, sulfur dioxide or something innocuous like that, and then the okay. answer would be fine. Okay? okay. Okay, I didn't buy it. I just wanted to know if it needs it. That's why I didn't buy it. So it doesn't have any OU. Okay? Yeah, well, we answered you. You can go and buy it if, as long as there's nothing in there except for that uh, a kosher preservative. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. You're on cautious on the air. You wanted to, you wanted to discuss that. We'll take your name. Okay. You're on cautious on the air. Um, I have an item here. Someone bought today. It's under the Badats. I got this her bottom. Rusia. Her barrel error. No, not Lera. His, his name is. Um... It says Beryl Lera. Lera? Lera. Alamad Alist Raish Alif Raish. Lera. Okay. So. This is the bottom of Russia. Okay. So that's who he is. I don't know him at all. You have no idea who it is. I just want to. No, I mean, look, any of the people who are giving Ashkach over there at this time, they're taking responsibility. Is it. My number is three three six eight five four four. Yeah, there's a. I don't. I his his, his name is not. It's uh, Lazar. It's not Lerer. It's Lazar. Uh, it's a grain. It's yeah. Okay. It's Lazar. Beryl Lazar. He's the chief rabbi of the country. The country. He's a chief rabbi. He's a Lubavitcher chief rabbi. There's definitely a shkacha there. You think it's something I can rely on? I don't take that decision for you. I'm uh, sorry. Okay, not, you know why I can call to find out? That I know some of my mistakes. I wonder if I can use it or not. Well, the first thing you do if you want is you could check the uh, the website of the CRC web. Uh, the CRC, that's crcweb.org. Uh-huh. CRC crcweb.org. Crcweb.org. And and uh, see if he's listed in the in there. Or you might want to call one of the cautions. I would suggest you call the OK Labs because. Uh, okay. All right. Fine. Thank you very 756 much. Seven five six seven five hundred. Take care. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. Can I help you? You're on the air. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. 
Yes, you spoke before about the beer, that the beer I have some non-kosher ingredients. Not every Is beer, this? not every beer. Yes. I said that if you go to Binavore, you'll see which beers do contain some non-kosher ingredients and which don't. It, sometimes it's it's just a, a processing agent, and in the final beer, it's going to be bottled, nullified. That's why the cautious agencies... But yeah. they have some beer with the OU. You think that the OU Absolutely beer is nothing the wrong thing? with that. They will not have anything not kosher in that, as far as I know. However, I have to tell you that it's possible that the OU uh, does allow, I don't know if in this thing, does allow a gelatin used as a, as a clarifying agent. They do allow it. I believe, I believe the OU allows it in the apple juice. And I believe that they might allow it in the beer too. But again, whatever they're allowing, put it this way, you've got protection with the OU on the, on the, on the beers. You, you're protected. Don't, I don't think you have to think twice about it. Okay? You say it's recommended better to buy the ones with the OU. What? It's recommended better to buy the beer with the OU. You should, if you buy a beer with an OU, very good. If you, if you buy a beer without any hashkacha, many people consider that acceptable. But again, no flavored beers and no microbrewery beer, beers. Not from a microbrewery. You have to know the difference between Ballantine and some, some little schlamazel guy who uses, um, who uses uh, you know, clams and makes uh, some oyster, uh, oyster stout. Okay? On the beer, if it's microbrewery? A beer with a microbrewery you can't use unless a cautious agency tells you that that microbrewery is safe. You can call, you can call the Chicago Rabbinical Council or the Star K. They will tell you whether you could use the beer from this particular microbrewery. Okay, thank you. Take good care. You're on cash okay, on the air. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have, we have a, <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. So we have a very big question, and uh, we got a few uh, ladies call us in the last week and the last few weeks. It's a certain uh, supermarket, uh, the grocery that's selling a uh, regular, you know, kosher food, and unfortunately, they they found that that prices on the shelves not the same prices on the cashier. Wow, and uh, the question like this: First of all, if it's a, if it was lashon hara to say which which story, I'm not going to say uh, it. No, 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 I'm not going. No, <laughs> we're not to... going to say it. Not going to say it, and uh, because discussed the rabbi, and the question is what? Because every time that they found this uh, mistake, so-called mistakes, uh, they approach to the the manager. The manager, oh, I'm sorry, that's it. The, the, the guy did it by mistake, and I fix it. The question, like I, my question, is to first of all, I want to tell to all the ladies, all the buyer, look very careful in your bills. It's something that very, very. It's maybe it's a minor, you know, year, but when you buy to Shabbat and you go to Shabbos shopping, and you feel like two cards or one card full of items, and five or ten of these items basically mispriced on the shelf. And in that cashier, it's always not for you favors. It's always for you, uh, you know, the opposite. Mm-hmm. And something that's something wrong here in this system, because it's some, it's impossible. Because when you fix it one time on the cell, you put it in a computer and it's supposed to be fixed all for all the items. And I'm, I'm saying it to all, to all of us, 
please watch up because this is not natata venasata bemuna. This something. Do you, this is. Nissen, this, do you know that this is true? Uh, at least, at least, few ladies that checked it not once, not twice, and not three times. It's almost the same okay. place, the same uh, uh, idea. And oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The guy did it. This, they, they, no. But you know, it seems like a, a repeat pattern. Unfortunately, we are not going to mention. But I've told the lady, and I asked our rabbi also about it. We are not going to. We are going to do awareness about all our our li- smart listeners. Well, please watch up. And uh, I would say the other and other advice: call to the kashrut agency. That's what I was going to say. Call to the kashrut agency that that basically control this store, the stores, the store, whatever. Just see what happened. And see, maybe kashrut agents sometimes you know they don't. Oh, it's a mistake, you know. No, but I think if, they would take it seriously. I, I really, I, first first of all, I'm not 100% convinced that this ever happened. But even if it did happen, and it was intentional, as you as you claim, yes, the cashless agency, even though they have no reason to to complain to the, the store owner, they will take it seriously, and they will talk to the store owner and see if there is something that is being done here that's uh, illegal and immoral, and uh, it's Geneva. They definitely should try to control it. Uh, I I don't believe that if the cashier agency brings it up that they won't make the change, and I also don't believe that uh, that the cashier agency will be frightened to, to bring it up because this is something you could discuss very easily, and I I, I think that uh, any cashier agency would do that. That said, I volunteer as usual. To be the the the, the 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 wrong person, and anybody can contact me if you have this problem, and we, I can be the middle person to go to the cashless agency, which unfortunately I'm very often doing this, and we will get results. I don't think it's. I, I hope it's not true, and even if it's, it is true, I hope it could be taken care of quickly. And and what I, if you want to know the reason why I think it could be happening, if it happens, which I don't believe is because there's tremendous pressure on the stores today in our neighborhood. If you would see the, the special pricing that we have, I mean, dirt cheap in some of these stores. Yeah, but you see, that, that's, so, that's exactly the point. That's so exactly that, the point, because the pressure is so high, you can put on the shelf whatever price you want, and then you're going, going to the, the cashier, and the cashier can bring you a different price. Right. Oh, it, I'm it, sorry, it, I'm sorry that I didn't happen. It does, it, but, and, and, and one thing we'll say, one thing I'll agree or whatever you want to sort of go working together with you on at least one part if you see a mistake and it's for 50 cents or for a dollar don't let don't pass it up because it's not 50 cents or a dollar it's everybody buying that item as 50 cents or a dollar so if, if you see something that's wrong in the store you have to correct it now whether they do put it into the system and change it or they or there's a Geneva, I don't know about that. But one thing is for sure that when you find a mistake for a few cents and you make the change, you saved many, many, many people money and you saved these people from being gun of them and you save the the the, 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 uh, the respect for the store. So uh, it's a it's a big, big situation. 
We told the story here before, once before about Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky giving back the money to the post office and telling everybody you have to give back the money if he gives you the wrong change. And how important that was, a big kid of Hashem, and the man say people during the war. That was a very big kid of Hashem. But so we can make a kid of Hashem every time we go into the store and we see a mistake. Don't pass by, don't say, ah, it was a few cents. No, 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 no. That's very important, that money, because you otherwise you're contributing to the store taking advantage or even maybe unintentionally, of another consumer, maybe because many consumers that day. So thank you for the call. We have a million callers. Let's take one more call. Go play it. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Yes. There's a brand of brown eggs. I'm not going to say the name, but it's, you know, the healthy brown eggs. And I bought a package, and many of the eggs have blood spots on it. Correct. I give a look on the label. It says that they're allowed to engage in, the hands are allowed to engage in natural behavior, whatever that mean well, that sounds like a, a that- yeah it sounds scary that sounds scary because in the because of the old days you know we used to have real blood stropping and today my rebbe 30 years ago it was us you don't have but you don't have real blood stropping today it's not real blood but we have we have no egg it's a minic and then we had that famous story i don't know if you heard it on when i told it about how Rav shmuel kamenetsky uh, it's said that uh that bismanazeh, we don't even check the eggs, and we know that many people do still check the eggs and then cook three eggs at a time. But this is a big problem. Yes, they are bringing back some some eggs where they where they where they roam free. I don't know if that means that there are any roosters there, but if there are roosters on the farm, yes, it would be real, real blood stropping. So yes, it, it's not a smart thing to buy those eggs because they tend to have those spots, whether they are real blood stropping, or they're not real blood stropping, but they're spots that we always throw away. So you, uh-huh. you're better off sk- switching the something eggs. More, something happens more with brown eggs than with white yes, eggs. Yes, it does. It yes. definitely does. It definitely <laughs> does. That's organic. Uh, organic. It's organic. Organic. They're supposed to be loose in the farm. That's right. And that's how it's working. We, 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 we don't recommend it to you because of that problem. Okay? Take okay, good care. Thank, thank you for the call. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Hello? You're on, yes, you're on the Air. Go ahead, please. Yes, is there proper way to wash uh, fresh romaine lettuce and be uh, allowed to eat it? Of course. But it, 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 the, the, old, the old method works if you, if you have some training first to see a bug. If you've never seen a bug in your life, then you're not going to spot them right in front of your nose. Oh, that's a bug! I didn't realize it. You're not going to be able to spot them so well. So you need a little bit of training. And then, yes, you could use uh, the uh, a light box and examine it very well, but it's a it's a painstaking uh, operation. I had the mashgiach of the year on the on the station uh, two weeks ago, and he said that he does a thousand leaves a day. But but he's uh, trained for this stuff, and it doesn't take him more than an hour. He says you would take a, um, for me uh, when I uh, do for Pesach. It takes me hours, and a whole era of Pesach, hours and hours and hours to check it properly. So if, you, if you're trained a little bit and you know what you're looking for, of course you could check the old way. There is a new method that they're using, which is the, the Shemata Badika, uh, but many people think the old method is better. Some people think the Shemata Badika is, met, is met better. I personally think it's better to use both. Um, but that's up to, it's up to you. That's, I, I write about it in the magazine. We did a story on it in the last issue, and we're gearing up for a big story on it in the coming issue. This issue had a different article, very interesting, about 15 different organizations and their kashra standards, whether they have mashkir tamidi or not, and how often the mashkir comes. Very interesting article. Okay, okay, thank you very much thank for the call. You. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hello, you're unconscious on the air. No, no time? Last call, go ahead. You're unconscious Hello? on the air. Last caller, go ahead, please. Hello? You're the last caller, go ahead, please. Yeah, um, I wanted to know about the Lee's barbecue cage. Does they have a triangle K on it? We don't answer a question of whether you can lie in Hashkocha. The triangle K is Rabbi Ralbag. You can ask your own rabbi which Hashkocha is to rely upon. I'm sorry, I can't help you more about that. Okay? Take good care. Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashas Magazine. If you have any uh, reason to contact us, you're interested in getting the subscription to the magazine, or you have a Kashas question, you can call us at 718-336-8544, or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Thank you for listening.